Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. You can follow us on Twitter at Mike Tagliere NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. Tags, waiver wire bids are in. Everyone's gearing up for week two. Ready to talk some starter sit today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's two games that I think we have to avoid, though. Um, it, it really sucks because I've been writing the primer basically all week so far, and I can't even touch the Green Bay-Minnesota game, and I can't touch the the Tennessee game because I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is playing, and I have no idea what's going on with Marcus Mariota. So those two players obviously influence how I would uh, look at the entire game. So those are those are really tough ones right now. Absolutely. So joining us today to walk through each position to help make your toughest start-sit decisions is Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. Jeff is an award-winning SiriusXM host. You can find him on CBS Sports TV and on Twitter at his name, Jeff Ratcliffe. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Always a pleasure, guys. Love it that we're officially in week two. It's always the weirdest week because kind of like week one rankings, you're like, eh, pretty much preseason, right? (laughs) But now I had the hardest time uh trying to establish rankings for the week it's going to be crazy for sure so guys we've got a few news items to talk about before we dive into our rankings for the week first though i want to remind the listeners at home that we've got a signed todd Gurley throwback rams jersey that looks sweet you can submit a quick entry for the contest at fantasypros.com slash contest the jersey comes from pristine auction where they've got hundreds of auction lots that end daily Everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. There's something for everyone. Check out what they have for you. Even if you're a fan of the Browns, they've got stuff for you. You won't believe some of the deals you can find. Listen to the ones I saw yesterday. A signed Trey Burton Bears helmet for 44 bucks. A signed Saquon Barkley jersey for 91 Take a look at Pristine Auction. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. When you buy something from them, make sure to let them know Fantasy Bros sent you. That way we can keep doing these giveaways. All right, guys, so uh, on to the news. Two running backs missed practice today, and we're recording this on Wednesday if you're listening on Thursday. Uh, Leonard Fournette, which is not so surprising, and Devontae Freeman, which caught me off guard. Let's first talk about Leonard Fournette, Jeff. I think it would be crazy if the Jags actually let him play this week against the Pats, but let's say he suits up. Do you start him against the Patriots? Do you start Yeldon? Do you start neither, both? I, I don't think we could start Yeldon if Fournette does, in fact, suit up. But we've been down this road with Fournette before with the injury issues last year. And, of course, he had the one surprising uh, inactive game as well. But this is tricky. I, I agree. It, it, you, we may not see him out there. Of course, we have to see tomorrow. Is he at limited tomorrow? Is he at full by Friday? And if he isn't, then, yeah, cue up TJ Yeldon. The one nice thing about that contest, we could see – a lot of Yeldon because it's, he's not he wouldn't necessarily be in a game script dependent role because he does add so much in the passing game, but it is a tricky situation. I, I you know we're still on limited information at this point. So what about Devontae Freeman tags? I mean, this is the first I was hearing about him even having an injury. Sounds like it's not really a big deal, but it seems more and more likely that Tevin Coleman is going to see a bump in touches. So tags is he suddenly a must start for you? No, I mean, I don't think he's a must-start against Carolina. Carolina's run defense is still pretty legit. I don't know if Luke Keekley is going to miss this game. Um, from I mean, Ron Rivera said there was nothing wrong, but apparently that's not true. And as for Freeman, there is legit concern here. I don't. They could play it off all they want. They played their game, you know, they, they're going to have 10 days of rest, and the fact that he's not practicing, you know, almost a full week later after that game is concerning because they did say uh, he set out the final series of that game because of his knee injury. So, you know, I, I've said it on the show before, but if you go back since week four of last year, Devontae Freeman has only topped. 12 carries twice and one of those games was when Tevin Coleman was out so yeah this is more of a timeshare than people think and I think Freeman going forward honestly if you could sell him and get like a low end RB2 value I think I would trade someone like Devonta Freeman for Kenyon Drake right now Jeff are you are you on the same page as me here 
Maybe not for Kenyon Drake, but see, my trade strategy is a little bit different, I think, because I, I probably wouldn't be looking to move him for the same position. So I don't feel like that makes my team that much better. But if I could trade him for a wide receiver too, like if you said Demarius Thomas, yeah, I would do that automatic, right? Something along those lines, because now I know uh, I'm I'm upgrading at, at another position. Now, of course, you leave yourself a little bit thinner at running back and everybody is thin at running back right now. But it's a tricky situation, especially with the way that Coleman Coleman looks like he has cr- you know crazy good bursts this year. He looked solid in that opener, and if they give him the opportunity, we saw last year he has the potential to put up RB one numbers. I want to see this team obviously work better in the red zone, as does everybody else. Uh, there, the other thing though too that we do have to note about that team is all of a sudden the dynamic on that team has changed dramatically over the last week, losing Keanu Neal. Losing Deion Jones, Falcons fans, I'm so sorry for you. That that one hurt me. Like I looked and I rarely, with football injuries, am really utterly shocked. I was utterly shocked about that one, and I I just feel so bad for him. I feel bad for the team because he was excellent in the opener. That opens up that run defense now that was a very good run defense. So game script could change for this team, and we know that Coleman does add in the passing game as well. I agree. I would I would not do uh, Freeman for for Kenyon Drake. I'm just not buying Kenyon Drake getting a dozen touches and and Frank Gore getting ten. Uh, I would trade him for Lamar Miller though, and I think that's a trade some people could pull off. But yeah, for uh, one of those wide receivers, someone like uh, Chris Hogan, who's probably going to be uh, down right now. I'd rather have Chris. Ho- uh, I don't know if I'd rather have Chris Hogan than Demarius Thomas, but those guys are close. Wait until after this week. Chris Hogan's going to be you know, you're going to be able to buy Chris Hogan for like literally pennies on the dollar after this week. So I also saw that uh, Devontae Adams missed practice, too, and we don't really know what the injury is yet. I mean, maybe it's come out since uh, since the news broke, but this is a situation to keep an eye on. I think Randall Cobb and, and Geronimo Allison would both be startable even against the Vikings, right, Tags? Uh, not if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. Well, yeah, if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing, of course. <laughs> I mean, Rodgers' mobility is going to be limited even if he does play, and he's playing against the Vikings team that's like they're pre- they're pretty dominant defense. Like, let's just be honest about that. They're the team that hurt him last year uh, when he suffered his broken collarbone. So I don't know. I mean, the Bears couldn't get pressure on him in the second half when he wasn't mobile. Uh, maybe it was the Packers' offensive line that just stepped up and realized they needed to protect their asset because they don't want to play another season without Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know if he plays this week, so it's it's really tough to say. Um, but even if he does play, I mean, I guess Randall Cobb would be. The option I would think about, but it, there's just too many hypotheticals right now. You wouldn't play the number one and number two with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's healthy. That's the problem. If he was healthy, I would. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, a playing Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, <laughs> I think Devontae Adams is going to be fine though. We saw him not healthy last week, and I know it's burned into your mind. So you can't say he's not good with a bum leg. Well, he just—they just didn't get pressure. Again, Minnesota's a different breed, man. Like they're—they're they're a really good defense, and you just—you don't want to target them in matchups, is what I'm saying. What do you think, Jeff? Would uh, I mean, let's say Aaron Rodgers plays. We know his knees banged up. Would you play both Cobb and Allison if Adams is out? I don't think I would play Allison. Um, Cobb is is somewhat interesting. You know, I, I will say though, if you look at the weak link in terms of that secondary, it's not the slot. I thought Mike Hughes looked pretty darn good. Obviously, he had the the interception, everything. Everybody looks at that, but in general, in that game, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought Trey Waynes was the guy who struggled the most. So it's just risky because Cobb will be in the slot pretty much most of his routes. Even even if Adams isn't out there, it's not as if they're just going to change Cobb's role in the offense. I don't like it uh, that much at all. I'm I'm not that I, I wasn't crazy about Adams in the first place. I mean, I ranked him at nine before this information came out. 
I don't expect a shadow, though, because Minnesota didn't use one last week. Now, granted, it was against San Francisco, but you, you would have seen you know maybe a potential of that, and there was no shadow to be had. So I don't know if we see Xavier Rhodes match up and, and track uh, Devontae Adams in this one, if fully healthy. But yeah, going back to that, I, I'm not going to trust Allison. I, I would look at Cobb, but I'm, I'm not going to be overly excited about the play. Hey, by the way, uh, for those of you listening at home, on today's show and future start sit shows when we're talking about, you know, who would we start, that's for standard half PPR 12-team leagues. I mean, we'll point out some 10-team questions, 14-team deep starts, uh, but the majority of people listening play in 12-teamers and half PPR at that. So that's what we're talking about just by default, unless we say otherwise. Guys, let's move on over to the banged-up Eagles now. Alshon is doing some workouts, but from his own mouth, He's still several weeks away from returning. Likewise, Nick Foles was named the starter again in Week 2. Jeff, should fantasy owners consider just flat-out releasing either Alshon or Carson Wentz? Oh, no. Oh, definitely not. I think you should trade for them at this point. Uh, this is the the time to strike with the iron. is hot. This is not an Andrew Luck situation, or else these guys would have been pupped. Luck wasn't pupped. I, I realize that, <laughs> and, and I think that the Colts were not only lying to us, they were lying to everybody. Whereas the Eagles are in a position where, you know, they want to get back to the the promised land here. And and a big part of that is Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz. And to be quite frank, they can go two and two in September and still have more than a chance of getting back to playing a game in February. So I'm not worried about it. I I've been happy to I recommended this week if Alshon Jeffrey did get dropped to go out and pick him up and stash him and realize you're probably not going to have him in September. That's fine. Same thing with Carson Wentz. Definitely not dropping those guys. Tags, I didn't think Wentz was even draftable in the first place. Now, with that said, he is coming back soon. I would probably put him around right outside QB1 status when he comes back because we don't really know what we're going to get. And last year was was touchdown dependent. I mean, he was awesome. He was really efficient. But what, what do you think about this question? Would you even consider dropping either of these two? Or are you like Jeff where you're trying to trade for them now? Well, I mean, if you if you drafted Carson Wentz, I don't know why you'd drop him now. I mean, nothing's changed. I think we knew he was going to miss the first week and potentially two weeks. And as for Alshon Jeffrey, he was falling in drafts too. I mean, where people were grabbing him, like once you got like to like that wide receiver 35 range, it's a bunch of questionable receivers anyway. And like, so why not take a chance on someone like Alshon? You want the upside. Who has upside? It's Alshon. Yeah, it's a second year. It would be his second year in the offense. You know, obviously time to build chemistry with Wentz, but obviously with neither of them practicing this offseason, not much change there. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Jeff in that. Like, I don't I don't think I would actively target Alshon Jeffrey because I was never like a huge fan to begin with, but I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't drop these guys. So when Wentz comes back for the rest of the season, from the moment he comes back, you'd rather have him than someone like Philip Rivers, who's out there in a lot of leagues right now? Uh, they're all streamers. Yeah, that's how I feel too. That's why I don't want anyone sitting on my bench. I think Wentz is a streamer. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I am. Okay. Okay, guys, start, sit, time. And if we don't get to the players you want, hop on over to my live stream Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on youtube.com slash fantasypros. I'll be entering start, sit questions live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And Tags has a Sunday morning show where he's going to be helping you all with late-breaking news and lineup decisions. Same website, youtube.com slash fantasypros. So, guys, let's start at quarterback here. And, Tags, we'll uh, we'll go to you here. Is Tom Brady actually startable against the Jags? I mean, yeah, I, I, would, I would start him. I, I mean, 
It depends on your options, obviously. Like, I actually personally like Matthew Stafford better this week. Uh, Matthew Stafford against San Francisco, I think it's a bounce-back game. I think people are overreacting, telling me that they're going to drop him. I have Brady at number 9 in my rankings. I'm not, like, crazy about him, but it's not like you're going to drop him uh, if you drafted him. So, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to use another roster spot on a quarterback? Well, hold, hold on. You're the guy that said Tom Brady was only startable in 50% of his games last year, according to Boom Bust and everything in between. You think you can start him against Jacksonville and he's going to be top 12? Well, that's the thing is like it's all it all comes down to probability, right? Can I say like with high certainty that Aaron Rodgers, that Russell Wilson are going to be QB ones? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like Garoppolo's in that range too. It's like, are, can I say those guys are going to be for sure things? No. I think you can say Alex Smith has a better chance of being a QB one. Uh, I don't know, Jeff. Where are you at in this? Like Brady, I understand why people want to play him. The, the run game is kind of like lackluster. I mean, I know they had Burkhead carry the ball what eighteen times last week. Sony Michelle might come back. But I see this as another opportunity for them to kind of like dip and dunk the offense through the running backs. I, I mean, it's hard to say that Brady doesn't finish in the top 12 this week, right? I have him just outside right now. Uh, the projections that I ran had him just inside, but I did bump him down just slightly. And I think my biggest concern, you mentioned the run game. I don't know if Rex Burkhead is the running back to run against them. It's really a shame that, that Jeremy Hill had the torn ACL because this sounds like a, a game where you could use, you could have used him. I think that if you drafted Tom Brady, which you probably drafted him entirely too early, it's too early in the season for you to sit him. Uh, that I think is really what it ultimately comes down to. Whether or not we're ranking him inside the top twelve, you know, he's he's right on the edge, and I don't think it makes sense to run out and pick up like Jared Goff or something, who I actually have a spot ahead of him right now, or Tyrod Taylor, who was like this the, the popular ad of the week. I'm not going to start those guys over Tom Brady because, hey, it could work out. You could look like a freaking genius. But if it doesn't work out, you're going to be kicking yourself. And, you know, it's just no no reason to. So I think you ultimately have to start him. I'm just, I mean, that matchup's brutal on the road there. Plus, it's like you said, Tags, you're not going to cut Brady. So what are you going to do? Waste an extra roster spot? Is the difference between someone like Alex Smith and Tom Brady worth a roster spot? No, it's not. So I would just start Tom Brady anyway. I have him as my QB 14. But that doesn't mean he's not startable. He's just not top 12. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And that's what I'm saying. I'm just playing the chances here because I, I don't think that, like I said, Aaron Rodgers is a guarantee to finish as a top 12 quarterback against Minnesota, even if he does play. So, like, it's like in a weird range, man, where uh, I, I understand why you'd say Alex Smith. And I think we should talk about him right now uh, because it's it's a it's an interesting matchup. I'm more like leaning to the side that Adrian Peterson is going to be the play here and that Alex Smith is going to turn into kind of like what he was last week, where he doesn't need to do too much. He might throw for 200, 225 yards, a couple touchdowns, which is fine. But it's not going to get you into like top eight quarterback territory. Whereas like Adrian Peterson, he's the type of player like if you're we're not to the running backs yet. But if, if you have Adrian Peterson in your squad, like start him this week, because I think he, he turns back the clock and like he, he he he's like in my top 12 running back plays this week. He's a great play. So that's that's my only concern with Alex Smith is that he doesn't need to necessarily throw a whole bunch of passes in this one. All right. So Alex Smith, I've got him at number eight. He's a definite start for me unless for whatever reason you have like him and Philip Rivers or Kirk Cousins who I both have higher. Uh, Big Ben, I've got in my top three. I think most people probably do. Jeff, do you agree that uh, Big Ben, Kirk Cousins, Phillip Rivers, they're all must-starts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, ben Roethlisberger could could go nuts in this game, and it could be another. I mean, with Mahomes, oh, this could be <laughs> so high-scoring. That secondary in Kansas City stinks. I think Juju's going to have a good game. Antonio's going to have a huge game. Connor is going to have a huge game. Big Ben gets in on all of that. Jesse James could have a decent game here. 
Uh, I, I agree. He actually projects out as my number one. The numbers absolutely love him this week. Yeah, no, I actually had I, I actually put Roethlisberger at one. Then I did. I felt dirty. I was just like, I got to put Breeze there. <laughs> the only reason is because they don't have a run game right now, so they're going to throw the ball in Cleveland. They have the offensive line to withstand the pass rush, but I have no issue with someone putting Ben number one. Uh, that's like he's like. I believe he's cash game viable. I believe he's tournament viable this week. Like the whole elbow thing, I'm not worried about at all. I think it was just like literally just throwing that crap to the wall and see if it sticks. Um, but Cam Newton's an interesting one uh, at, at Atlanta. I, people are going to be starting these guys. I don't think we need to talk about them. I should probably just skip along. Well, let's go to uh, a lot of people are mad about Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan. Can we trust any of these guys after horrible weeks? I am absolutely starting Matt Stafford. I have him as my number five quarterback right now. Oh, man, he was awful. Are you sure? He had a bad game. I mean, we've seen Matthew Stafford in the NFL. The offense didn't change. Nothing changed there. They added Kenny Galladay. LeGarrette Blunt is terrible. I have no idea why he was on this team to begin with. Like, I shouldn't say he's terrible, but what I am saying is that he didn't belong in this offense to begin with. And uh, it was just a weird game for them. I do think in San Francisco, they come out and try and get the record straight here. And they don't have the they don't have a run game right now. So they're a better pass blocking team. They need to take care of Matthew Stafford. I believe he bounces back strong. I think he's a safe play. I think that game has has sneaky shootout potential between him and Jimmy Garoppolo. I know. I want to use him in cash games, but after last week, I'm just like, ah, I don't know if it's safe, man. But yeah, he's going to throw 600 passes this year because that, that running back crew was just not good. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan. How many of these guys can we feel comfortable starting? I'm not comfortable. I'm not nowhere near as comfortable starting Matthew Stafford. I, I think that I'm perhaps comfortable in streaming the 49ers defense this week. Uh, that's and and that just goes to show you any any defense could be a viable option in the right matchups. He's not going to throw five picks again. We know that. That's just silly to expect it. But he didn't look comfortable. The whole team didn't look comfortable. You hear the reports about Matt Patricia. There's something off here in Detroit. So until further notice, I'm just going to kind of put him on the back burner. Deshaun Watson. Week one was the reason why I told people to not draft him as the number two quarterback. That was absolutely ridiculous to think that. Four and a half, five games of sample size was going to repeat this year. But I do think he bounces back this week. There is potential against this uh, Titans defense. We saw, uh, you know, obviously Kenny Stills put up some big numbers against them. And for what it's worth, I know people were a little upset about DeAndre Hopkins. He had 11 targets, though, and the volumes there, I'm not concerned. So I do think of any of those three names, Watson would be the guy I'm most comfortable starting. Yeah, Watson for me as well. He's got the uh, the floor with his legs as well. So Matt Ryan, I've got outside my top 12. A lot of people are asking about Mahomes. Yeah, start him against Pittsburgh. He's not going to be great every week. It might burn you, but I'd rather start him than Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, even Tyrod Taylor, who I think is safe week to week. A- anyone else you guys would even consider starting in a 12-teamer? Mm, I think we had a lot of the guys that you would need to think about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared Goff, you mentioned. I think he's someone to, to definitely consider. Yeah, it's a floor play. Yeah, so uh, let's move on over to running backs then. Tags, you already said that Adrian Peterson is your number 12. Let's say Leonard Fournette is out. How high do you have TJ Yeldon? Is he a must-start? Yeah, I actually expect uh, Leonard Fournette to be out, so I have TJ Yeldon as a top 20 play this week. I have him at 19 right now because, our I mean, our rankings, you know, like when in the accuracy competition is, is uh, standard. So if it was PPR, I'd be moving TJ Yeldon up into my top 15 plays this week because, like, people don't realize over the last – 
25 games that TJ Yeldon has played, he has seen five or more targets in 12 of them. So he's always been used in the passing game. They trust him in that role. And then when Leonard Fournette went down last week, he was the guy. Like, he was the only workhorse. I think Corey Grant played uh, six snaps, if I'm not mistaken. So I like Yeldon an awful lot if Leonard Fournette is out, and I expect him to be out this week. And knowing that Blake Bortles doesn't have, like, that alpha dog, that wide receiver, like, he doesn't have an Allen Robinson. He doesn't have a Marquise Lee. I mean, Keelan Cole is fine, but he's going to match up with Stephon Gilmore. So I I just – I see a lot of checkdowns here, man, especially knowing Bortles is struggling. So I love TJ Yeldon. I think he's a must-play if uh, Leonard Fournette's out. I agree. He's going to be the chalk in DFS, too, which we're going to get to tomorrow in the show. Uh, Jeff, how high do you have TJ Yeldon and somebody like uh, Jay Ajayi, who, you know, he had the great game, but he didn't play even a majority of the snaps for Philadelphia. Yeah, that narrative's been overworked, though. I, I don't, I'm not buying into that one bit. Oh, he wasn't on the field the first play of the game. Yeah, they were backed up to their own end zone. You can have Jay Ajayi out there or Darren Sproles. Come on, come back to me, folks. They were also playing from behind for a good chunk of the game. The whole notion that there is a committee there is just a whole bunch of people, for some reason, love to not like Jay Ajayi, and they want anything to support their rationale. The fact of the matter is, I said earlier, that Falcons defense with Neal and Jones on the field was a very good run defense, and Ajayi scored two touchdowns against them. So he went out and did that this week against Tampa. We saw Alvin Kamara just destroy the defense, even though they didn't win the game. (laughs) The craziest game in NFL history, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, either way, we didn't talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. By the way, don't start him. I have him at 23. Don't start him, I know. But yeah, Ajayi for me, he's a he's front end RB2 play at this point. I, I don't mind playing him at all. I think you're going to get a good return on investment. I'm still hedging with Yeldon and Fournette. I still have Yeldon at 33. Uh, so we'll see. Obviously, we'll move him up. I agree with Tags, a better play in, in PPR, but definitely still an RB2 in standard scoring as well. Okay, we're not just going to move on from uh, from Ajayi because he only had 40% of the snaps. He played 29 snaps. I understand that. But he carried the ball 15 times. I don't care about his snaps. It's a <laughs> you know the same argument with tight ends. Oh, he isn't out there on the field every down. Yeah, I don't care if he's out the fi- on the field when they're running the football, like the old Jimmy Graham argument. I don't care about the snaps. I care about the usage, and he led the team in touches, and he's going to continue to do so. I mean, anybody who thinks that Corey Clement – is going to outtouch Jay Ajayi. I, I I want some of what you're smoking. He's not gonna he's not gonna outtouch them, but Ajayi is not gonna be any kind of workhorse or anything. Close so you're to a it. love to hate Ajayi guy. Oh, it has nothing to do with loving to hate anybody. It's just pure <laughs> data and numbers that tell us when a guy's not out there on the field, he doesn't tend to get 15 touches every single game. That was a fluke. It's not gonna happen again. If he plays 40 percent of the offensive snaps, he's not getting 15 touches any other game this season. But do you think the game script's going to be exactly like that every single week? No, it's not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that even if he goes up, like if he goes up to sixty percent of the offensive snaps, he's not a lock to be an RB two. Sixty percent's not not much. No, I want to play devil's advocate. I'm going to be the mediator between you two because so Jay Ajayi, <laughs> I've been on record as saying that Jay Ajayi is going to finish the season as an RB two, but that he's going to be volatile because when you do have those low snap counts, it's going to be difficult to be consistent in your production. Now. With that being said, like legitimately, I, I have the primer all written up on that game, and I went through it, and Doug Peterson has talked about basically saying that Jay Ajayi was the best running back in the field, and we're going to get him more snaps going forward. I actually believe that, and if you get 60% of the snaps, you can absolutely be good. Like, But the thing is, the 28 snaps, that's low, and I do want to make the point, though, in regards to the Falcons, so... 
both of those touchdowns Keanu Neal was out of the game for. He was off the field, and Deion Jones was out for the first touchdown. So it wasn't quite a full strength, and I think that's actually, once uh, Keanu Neal left the field, that's when you started to see the Eagles' offense start to come to life a little bit. But Ajayi, I'm not taking anything away from him. He actually looked better on Thursday night than I thought he has in quite a long time. You know, I know he's in a contract year and all that stuff, but whatever. I have him ranked as my number 15 running back this week. It's a solid matchup against a, a Bucks front seven that has a lot of moving parts to it. Yeah, I, I've got him in my top 22. And one thing to note on Jeff's side is he's, he's coming off the injury. And so, of course, he didn't play as much. I think his snaps will go up. I'm just not so sure that everyone should jump out of the seat of their pants and say, you know, two touchdowns. He's the man. I don't, and I don't think anybody's saying that. I, you know, when I tweeted out about uh, Jay Ajayi and all the anti-Jay Ajayi people kind of all of a sudden going quiet on Twitter, it, it, I'm not saying this dude's a, an RB1. And, and I never once have said that. I say he's a rock-solid RB2, and he was a guy who you could get a lot of times at value in an in a RB premium draft year. You got Jay Ajayi at a value, and I still think he's going to prove to be one of the best values at the position provided he stays healthy. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm starting Jay Ajayi too, so basically that argument was, was senseless because... <laughs> <laughs> I've got him over guys like entertainment purposes. Yeah, I've got him over guys like uh, Jamal Williams, who's going up against Minnesota. And I know Williams is the workhorse there, but Minnesota is just so good. Uh, Rex Burkhead against Jacksonville, same thing. Marshawn against Denver, same thing. And then you get into the guys, Kenyon Drake, Kerryon Johnson, Deion Lewis, who are in work shares, Royce Freeman, Derrick Henry. I don't know what to do with these guys. I've got them all lumped together. Do any of these guys tag stand out to you? Like Kenyon Drake, is he finally going to start getting the touches he deserves. Carryon Johnson, is there anything to do here against San Francisco? Uh, Carryon's going to become the guy after time, and Kenyon Drake is the guy. I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried about Frank Gore. I know that some people are going to look at the numbers from the first week and think, "Oh my God, he got 14 carries and Frank Gore got nine. It's obviously a timeshare. It's not. It, the the snap difference was 46 to 18. Uh, Frank Gore. It was a weird game, and that's the thing. I don't want anybody to take too much from this game because there was multiple hour-long delays so they they stopped the game and it was just weird they did they skipped over halftime they just had the teams go back to their sides like it was a weird game and you should not take too much from it and especially talking about Frank Gore because he had nine carries on 18 snaps so when you're talking about limited snap counts when you're when you're down 46 to 18 it's not a timeshare it's a clear backup situation that's fine yeah that's definitely fine Jeff what do you think about Kenyon Drake uh, carry on let's let's talk about Royce Freeman and Derrick Henry too Kenyon Drake, uh, somebody asked me if they should drop him, which I'm baffled that that's even a thought. Ooh, please do it in my league. Yeah, exactly. We can You can join our league anytime, but he's fine. Tags points out the, the relevant information there with the, the snap breakdown. The heavy usage for him is all good. With I, I think you mentioned Royce Freeman, though. That's going to be the tricky one because the Philip Lindsay thing came out of left field. Uh, Freeman obviously led in snaps, but the touch, you know, the, the fact that they were equal in touches, that's, a, that's a bit of a concern. The concern that it is a hot hand situation now, all of a sudden out of left field, that's a major concern. So for me, it's sort of wait and see with these guys. If I have Royce Freeman and his draft shot, his draft stock shot up at the end of the fantasy draft season. So you probably overdrafted him which stinks because now you're, you're stuck with that and that decision every week, at least until this sorts itself out. In terms of Derrick Henry, that what we saw there in that game is the exact reason why we should not have been drafting him as a top 20 running back. I had him well outside the top 20. I don't think we're going to see this every single week, 
but we are going to see game script dependent usage in that backfield. And it is going to be a headache if you have either Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis going forward. Agree. Yep. Yeah. And to be fair, Jeff, like it was one of those games where I felt like you should have been able. And like I've talked about on the show where it's like, don't draft either of the Tennessee running backs, just play them in DFS. Like you'll be able to predict the game script. But uh, this week to know they lost to Miami, like they were favorites in that game. It wasn't a big favorite. It was like one and a half points. But um, to know they were they were supposed to be favorites against Miami, who had obviously a rookie linebacker starting Raquan McMillan, like him starting there. I felt like it was going to be a Henry week. And then Deion Lewis just played the crap out of him. Like he outplayed him. It was apparent. Uh, Derrick Henry is like an all or nothing running back. So how do you feel about them going forward? Which running back? Like, let's just say that someone's out there and they're like, you know, trying to decide which running back would you rather have going forward in a half PPR league, Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis? (laughs) And obviously neither (laughs) can't be an answer. Probably Deion Lewis. Yeah. And it's just because if the, if this team ends up not being very good this year, I think he'll be he'll still be fine because of his usage in the passing game. They just it doesn't matter the coaching regime that's in place. They just don't want to use Derrick Henry in the passing game very heavily. So he's a guy who, you know, you think at the end of the year, 20 catches, you know, one of those types, 25 catches, 30 catches. We're not going to see much more than that. Whereas Lewis could go out and legitimately could he catch 50 plus balls? Sure. He can run between the tackles. You don't want him 20 carries a game. But if you get him 10 to 12 and you get him those additional four touches uh, as a receiver in a half point PPR, it's not that bad. Right. So if I had to choose one, it's Lewis. I really don't want to make that choice. But but Lewis for me. Yeah, it's Lewis for me as well. I mean, Henry's got the upside. Sure. But week to week, I trust Lewis. I don't trust Henry week to week. I mean, you got to put him in your lineup anyway, at least in, uh, you know, where you've got a flex. If you're playing a league without a flex, he's not a must start. Um, guys, we're going to get to three really messy running back situations here in just a second. But first, I want to talk about NFL Game Pass. Only with NFL Game Pass can you replay every game all season. It's NFL football anytime on your time. There's so many great games last weekend between the the Bucks and Saints shootouts, Aaron Rodgers' big comeback on Sunday Night Football. I'm expecting several more this week with the AFC Championship rematch between the Patriots and Jags leading the way. And with NFL Game Pass, you can replay all of them from every angle. There's the broadcast version, commercial-free. There's Coach's Film, which shows the All-22 angle the pros and coaches use. And then there's the condensed game, which is my favorite. You can watch a full game in 45 minutes. Remember that with NFL Game Pass, it's game time anytime. Best of all, you can kick off the 2018 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up at NFL.com slash fantasy pros. Game on. All right, guys. So I'm looking at this San Francisco mess. Alfred Morris, Matt Breda, New York Jets. They've got Bilal Pal, Isaiah Crowell. And then we go on down to Seattle. I thought this was definitely going to be all Chris Carson, but it's Chris Carson and Rashad Penny split basically halfway. Uh, Tags, let's go at uh, San Francisco first. Alfred Morris, Matt Burrito, what do we do with them against Detroit? <laughs> uh, throw something in the wall and hope it sticks. Yes. Um, basically, because like Morris played uh, more snaps, he also fumbled inside the, the red zone, which is obviously a problem. Um, but the Lions are coming off a game in which they allowed Isaiah Crowell to, and, and Bilal Powell, I should say, to run for 162 yards and two touchdowns on just 22 carries. So it's difficult not to say that there's going to be some production here. I think Morris is the better one, two down back, um, but it's obviously a timeshare. I still believe, I don't think Morris like lost his leash with one fumble. Um, so I still think that he's the preferred play, especially in standard leagues. Whereas in PPR, I think Brita might have a slight edge on him, uh, but it's really close between those two. It just sucks. 
Let's just say that. It just sucks. Who cares? <laughs> I, I feel better about Chris Carson, though. Like, I know they played the same amount of snaps. Uh, I know that they uh, – Penny actually had one more touch than Chris Carson, but Carson was much more efficient. And if you watch that game, Chris Carson is just the more explosive player right now. I, I like Carson definitely more of those two, and I think Carson's in, like, that RB3 conversation. He has a potential to score against a – it's still a tough Bears defense. The front seven's pretty nasty. Um, but I still think Carson is the one – of all these four running backs, I think Carson's the one I'd feel the most comfortable about with Morris being second. Yeah, well, definitely Carson for me because Pete Carroll came out and said he set himself apart in week one. He's going to get more touches in week two, right, Jeff? Well, I don't <laughs> know if he set himself apart that much. The The stat sheet would say that he set himself apart, but I, I don't, I, I'm not 100% convinced that he's that much better than Rashad Penny. And I think this is a great opportunity. Now, I'm not going to, and, and I know we're just talking start sit. So Carson's a flex for me. That's fine this week. But if I have the opportunity to get Rashad Penny in any way, shape, or form and sit on him for the month of September, I am doing that because I think ultimately, yes, he looked rusty, which is fair because of the time that he missed there. Yeah, as a rookie, which is huge. Yeah, and he's he's going to, as he gets acclimated here, the fact that he got back on the field in week one is great because of that finger injury, et cetera. It was right on the edge of week one in terms of the initial timetable. But I'm not convinced that, you know, hey, Chris Carson's head and shoulders above Penny. He was definitely better than him, but I don't know if it's as drastic as Pete Carroll made it out to be. And Pete Carroll's one of those coaches where he says a lot. He's a liar. (laughs) Yeah, I don't always take, you know, what he says at face value. So right now, the, the touch distribution was very interesting for me. Let's just say that in week one. Yeah, and the best part about this is Rashad Penny had four catches. I mean, we knew he was going to be this guy, but it just shows if he takes the job from Carson, I think it's always going to be a little bit of a split as long as one of them is, as long as both are healthy. But if he takes the main job from, from Carson, Penny's a three down back and someone with elite athletic, not elite, but second tier athletic ability. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a lot of upside in that regard. And we know one of the things that he was so good at the college level was working independent of his blocking, making defenders miss, you know, getting yards after initial contact. And you're going to have to do that with that Seattle offensive line, so that's good news. (laughs) All right. Well, we didn't talk about the Jets, and unfortunately we have to. So, Jeff, Bilal Powell, Isaiah Crowell, is this just a hot hand situation, or did Crowell just flat out win the job here? I don't know if it's a hot hand. I think it's a full committee. We saw a lot more of Billy Powell than I thought we were going to see, but Crowell looked good. Uh, I, I thought he, you know, he's looked good all along. I thought he was darn good in Cleveland. He just played on a team that won one game in the last two years. So if you draft a crawl, he was one of my favorite guys to draft in like the seventh or eighth round in a 12 teamer. He was often there unless somebody else was sharp to it. And you got him as your third, if not fourth running back. And he, I mean, he's a starting running back in the NFL and he showed that, you know, he can, he can put up points. He still looks pretty fresh. Uh, the team actually was a little bit better than we thought offensively. Like, Darnold looks good. I mean, he's not he's not fantasy relevant outside of two quarterback leagues yet, but he didn't look like a scared rookie out there, and we've seen plenty of scared rookies under center. So if you have Isaiah Crowell, I think you're in a good situation going forward. In terms of this week, uh, he's, he's still just a flex option for me against Miami. I, I don't want to trust him as anything more. Yeah, I've got him the same. I've got him RB34. So, yeah, you can flex him. I, it was such an Isaiah Crowell game tags. He just ran, he 
bowled his head down into people's guts all game, and then he broke a 68-yard touchdown. <laughs> There's not much I can say here. Um, I am. Um... I'm going to take an L in week one, and that's fine. <laughs> Me too, man. Oh, I have as my RB 36 this week, so I'm not, I'm not caving or anything like that. I'm just admitting that, yeah, he had a he had a good performance in week one, but he only played what 22 snaps. Yeah, there's a, a lot more Billy Powell in that game than I thought we were going to see. For sure, I thought we were going to see more of Billy Powell. I've never called him Billy Powell, but I think that's going to stick oh, for it's me. On. Bilal, whenever I see Bilal, it's just like a mouthful, and I hate saying it. <laughs> oh, so, man. Yeah, you, you convinced me there. Let's talk about some wide receivers, you weirdos. Yeah, yeah let's, go, let's go to the wide receivers because <laughs> those three teams are such a mess. I didn't want to talk about it, but we had to, right? So, okay, Keelan Cole, I'm actually not starting at this point. You talked about Stephon Gilmore. And uh, Keelan Cole, like, yeah, he's technically the number one, but this is a Jags team with no real number one. I loved Keelan Cole in the draft. Uh, with that said, he's just not the possession guy. He's a big play, you know, touchdown or bust type of guy, and that's not someone I want to start week to week. Tags, do you agree with me? I think Keelan Cole might be more than that as a player. Um, but again, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at this Jacksonville team and you're Bill Belichick and you always take away the top option, like, I mean, where do you aim? <laughs> I guess it's Keelan Cole. Like, I don't think they're going to, you know, D.D. Westbrook's the number three option in the past game, even if he is better than Dante Moncrief. Austin Safarian Jenkins doesn't worry you much. I mean, T.J. Yeldon, but you're not going to give too many resources to that. So uh, Keelan Cole is going to see the number one attention. And that's what has me concerned with him making him like a wide receiver four. like I have him as number 40 wide receiver this week. And like, if I had someone like maybe Tyler Lockett, I'd probably play Lockett over him this week. Like I'm starting Crowell over Keelan Cole, just to give you guys an idea. I would play Crowell over him. I'd take the guaranteed touches, but Jeff, what would your take be if someone had like, let's say Kenny Galladay and Keelan Cole, what would you do between those two? I think I would go Galladay. Now I'm not going to overrate what we saw in week one, it was definitely very encouraging. I, I want Kenny Galladay in my IDP roster, though, after that <laughs> Oh, man, that I mean, was awesome. Come on, bro. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. But, yeah, I would go Galladay. You mentioned Stephon Gilmore. I think he did a really nice job on DeAndre Hopkins. That's always a tough assignment. And he held him to four catches for 50 yards. Uh, in his coverage. Do you see how mad Hopkins was during that game? He was so mad at Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, that's not a good sign to start the season off, but I would have been frustrated too because, like I said, Gilmore did a good job. The, the rest of the secondary doesn't really inspire that much confidence, but Belichick always gets these guys to play up. I, I just can't see using, not even Cole, I can't really see using any of these Jags wide receivers right now. It was so bizarre to me. Nobody wanted Marquise Lee, and then all of a sudden when Marquise Lee got hurt, everybody wanted Jags receivers? Like, what? what is that? Why is that a thing? <laughs> like, what, what happened there? I wanted Lee. Lee was the number one target there, Like, and I felt like it was cheap targets. You were all over Lee, Tags, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. I was all over Keelan Cole, and then everyone's, his ADP went way up, and I was like, I'm not doing that. You guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's ugly, man. Yeah, it is It is ugly. And without Fournette, like, what are the Jags going to do? They should just QB sneak with Bortles every time. Well, Bortles looks bad, too. Like, he doesn't look very good right now. Yes, he's, he looked so bad in the preseason, so... I don't know, man. I think I've got to use the Patriots in cash games for DFS. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Amari Cooper did not have a good stat line. He's going up against Denver. Everyone's saying, oh, should I bench him? I even had somebody ask me if they should drop Amari Cooper. I didn't even respond to that one. I don't have time for that kind of stuff. But Amari Cooper, he's still a must start, right, Jeff? Uh, must start. I, I have him as a wide receiver three this week, and yeah, I've got him top thirty though. Like I don't, I have him at thirty one, so I'm just just outside of you. But you know, here's the thing: if you're panicking, it was a, it was week one. Okay, it was week one. I know everybody gets excited because we didn't have football. Now we have football, and everybody overreacts. But it was week one. 
it was against the Rams. There is not going to be a good matchup to, to be had against the Rams for receivers all season long. So if, you, if it's a rock star stud, if it's OBJ, if it's Antonio Brown, and they have matchups like that, you always start them. But if it's Amari Cooper, I mean, he is subject to a, a matchup. And and in this case, yeah, he, he struggled. So you have that. I, you look at him this week. I, I want to see it happen before I'm fully on board with him. And he's the type of guy we know who any week he could go out and he could be the number one receiver for the week, but he also could be the number 72 receiver for the week very easily, right? So if I have him, I'm tempering expectations looking at him as a wide receiver three this week. Now, real quick, Jeff, um, I'm pretty sure that you're hip to this as well. Uh, didn't Amari Cooper play close to 50% of his snaps uh, or run 50% of his routes out of the slot on Monday night? I don't have the figures right in front of me in terms of the slot, but I know I did see him used a lot in there. Not a surprise. Uh, and and in fact, you, you know, when you look at, at what they have you know, they traded their slot receiver, Ryan Switzer. When's he, when's he getting traded next? You know, the, the countdown to Switzer trade. But when you look at what they have on that offense, uh, Seth Roberts, I guess you could use him there. You, you know, could you use Jordy there? Maybe. They don't really have a pure slot receiver. And then when you use guys in the slot like Amari, uh, you can create mismatches. But even there... I don't think there's I don't think there's a good matchup to be had against the Rams regardless. So I'm not going to really read into it. However, it also should be noted that some of these guys are comfortable playing completely across the formation, no matter where, no matter what. And some of these guys are a little uncomfortable when they play, you know, in the slot. So uh, maybe that's the case. I really don't know with Amari Cooper, but you know, against uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, he didn't didn't really necessarily do that well either. Yeah. Um, so this week, I mean, I'm going to be completely transparent here. I said that in the primer, I have Cooper as a wide receiver four type option. Like he's like a high end wide receiver four that's got upside. But even if he is playing those slot snaps that we're talking about, he's going to match up with Chris Harris Jr., the best slot corner in the game. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not attacking that matchup by any means. Uh, but I think Amari Cooper, he's like someone like uh, after this week, him and Chris Hogan are going to be two guys that if I don't own in a league, I'm going to go see what it costs to acquire them. Can I call a timeout really quick? We never do this. Like, we always just talk about football. But why is it that every time they talk about this new iPhone, everyone, like, takes a holiday and it's, like, all they can talk about? It's like celebrity worship where they're all watching these shows. Like, why do people get so excited about this? I don't understand. It's a phone. A $2,000 phone. I think I'd ask the question, Bobby, why, did you, why do you get so mad about it? Oh, man, I just don't know. I don't understand how everyone could be so pumped up about this. I don't know, man. Like, it is it is what it is. And How old are you, Bobby? Yeah, I'm 29, man. I'm 65 years old. Yeah, I'm kind of that old guy with a lot of things. I don't really like comedy movies or anything. I don't know. Yeah, he's a weirdo. I wanted to ask you guys because I keep seeing this everywhere. Like, it's the biggest thing in the world. And it's like, well, why? I don't understand. Okay, so I want to talk about Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant saw nine targets. He's going up against Washington, who doesn't exactly have the best secondary. And T.Y. Hilton, he's probably going to see some time against Josh Norman. Am I wrong about this? I think Ryan Grant is a good play this week. What do you think, Jeff? I think it's an interesting play. I mean, I'm I'm not going to run out and make sure I get Ryan Grant in my lineup. I, I, it may be more of a DFS conversation, ultimately. You're right. You are going to see some Josh Norman, but they're obviously not going to shadow with Josh Norman. We didn't see any shadow. Last week was a very light week in terms of shadow coverage. If you are in maybe a little bit of a deeper league, I did uh, this week. I recommended 
as I'm sure a lot of folks out there did, to go pick up Ryan Grant for those folks in deeper leagues who need some help at the wide receiver position. But for me, I mean, he's a wide receiver five, essentially. It's encouraging his usage in week one, but I don't expect nine targets every week. Obviously, that's that's a massive number. That's 145 targets, basically, for the season. But DFS, yeah, I, I don't mind. The, that's exactly the type of player that I'm looking for when I'm constructing some DFS lineups. There's just so many guys in this range that I don't feel comfortable playing, and I do feel okay playing Ryan Grant. Like Chris Hogan against Jacksonville, I don't know if I want to use him. I wouldn't play Ryan Grant over Chris Hogan, though. I couldn't do it. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to use Chris Hogan. First, first of all, week one was a disaster, and I know it was just one week, but Jacksonville, man. Oh, Jacksonville gave up like 12 points per game to quarterbacks last year. Oh, I know. I mean, but the, I mean, the thing is, New England's going to – Tom Brady's going to throw for over 200 yards. It's going to happen one way or the other, and someone's got to catch them, and they only have three wide receivers in the active roster. So uh, You're right. But they also passed 45% of their targets to running backs last week. Chris Hogan's not a running back. Yeah, I mean, they've done a good job with tight ends, too. I mean, if you go back to the game they had against Jacksonville in the playoffs last year, Gronk had just one catch for 20 yards. Uh, he was hurt. He was concussed. I know he got hurt, but that's what I'm saying. But it, the Jacksonville's done a really good job with tight ends. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I don't ever feel comfortable playing anyone against Jacksonville unless it's one of those elite guys. And Chris Hogan's just not one of those guys. So uh, a couple other people here, Sammy Watkins, what do we do with him? Because like, if you're not going to play him in decent matchups like this, I mean, sure, you could play him against, like, Indianapolis if that was to happen, but it's it's at Pittsburgh. I think this is a decent matchup. Is he actually playable, Jeff, or is he just droppable at this point? Well, I don't think you can drop him after week one. He didn't get in on the bonanza, but it was a lot of, of Ty Freak who was doing all the damage. I mean, it's just because he's an absolute freak of nature. My concern, I wrote this up before the week. I thought that we would see, you know, uh, Casey Hayward on Sammy Watkins you know, when it all is said and done, we didn't see a shadow out of Los Angeles, but Sammy didn't really do anything against uh, Casey Hayward. Neither did uh, Tyreek really. He had the one catch and it was a longer catch for 34 yards, but otherwise uh, that wasn't where the damage came from. Uh, that was, um, I, I think one of them was against a linebacker, one of the touchdowns, but regardless, I'm not dropping Sammy because What's ultimately going to happen, we know in the NFL, is there's always adjustments that are made. And if Tyreek is absolutely killing teams, teams are going to figure out a way to bottle him up. And if they bottle him up, then you're just going to see Sammy Watkins. So if anything, it might be another one of those guys where, yeah, you're going to sit on him for a little bit, but you might even want to try and acquire him on the cheap if you can, if you can get him tossed into a trade. I've still got him as a wide receiver three, but it just feels wrong. Tags, what do you think about Watkins? I'm not I'm not opposed to keeping him around. He did play in the slot a lot more, like uh, Andy Reid talked about. I just think it was a Tyreek week, um, and just things just didn't fall his way. I think you're going to see some weeks where Tyreek – because the thing is, Tyreek Hill is not like a 10-target-a-game guy. I mean, he sees – what was it, eight targets this week? And it was pretty much the same thing last year. We saw him consistently in between like six and nine targets, like almost – every single week so if we're anticipating terrible uh Chiefs defense and Sammy Watkins is out there for 40 plus Patrick Mahomes pass attempts I like Sammy Watkins and I think that people are are crazy for like thinking about selling him off right now I I I think it's taking him a little bit longer to learn the offense than I think people would like and I think it's maybe it's something with with Watkins personally because we we saw the Rams use him as more of a decoy last year than anything so I don't know if that's the problem but them playing him out of the slot tells me that they're going to use him in in different ways which I think he's going to have he's going to be like an Amari Cooper type option where he's going to have weeks where you're like oh my god this sucks but then you're also going to have weeks where it's like he's finishing as a wide receiver one 
one, and you're going to walk away really happy. Isn't that everybody in this range, though, the wide receiver three range? I've got Watkins as a wide receiver three. Well, Jeff, who would you rather own right now, Devin Funches or Sammy Watkins? Funches, uh, because I know he's the number one there, you know, especially with DJ Moore not being heavily used. I know he's number one. I know I'm going to get targets with him. But, you know, I think we just have to set our expectations correctly for each one of these players. We have to know that Sammy Watkins is a boomer bust guy. And, and we know also though that he scored a bunch of touchdowns last year, especially down the stretch after he got all the tough coverage out of the way early in the season. So you're going to have some big weeks, but you're also going to have some down weeks. And, you, you know, you got to know your format. I think you can sustain the, that a little bit more so in a half PPR than you can in a full PPR with somebody like Sammy but just kind of know what you're in for in terms of the ride. All right, guys, a couple other wide receivers here. Pierre Garcon, Marquise Goodwin's a little bit banged up. Tags, what do you do with Garcon? Start or sit? Um, I mean, I don't mind him this week. It just comes down to the, what type of league you play in, who you're choosing between him. Um, like He's like a high floor wide receiver four type option uh, in standard. I think he's a, a low-end wide receiver three in PPR formats, but I'm not excited to play him. He's never been a touchdown guy. Garoppolo hasn't really been a touchdown guy either, but I don't know. It, it's It's just like I feel meh about him. It just depends on what you're looking for in your roster. If you're looking for stability, that's fine. Um, but if you're looking for someone to help win a matchup, Garcon's not that guy. One guy I've got in my top 30 that will probably surprise a lot of people is Sterling Shepard. Because you look at his ECR and it's 10 spots higher. I guess some people would use him in the flex, but I think he's a definite start against Dallas. Jeff, where do you have Shepard? I guess I probably have him closer to ECR. I have him at 42 right now. Again, you know, could he be a flex consideration? Maybe. Depends on your roster. I still like him overall. I drafted him in a bunch of leagues because I think there's there's still some meat on the bone there. They're obviously going to have better matchups than week one going forward. I'm not going to run out to play him this week, but then again, you might not have better options, so he could be a flex. Tags, do you have anybody that you are playing that uh, most people wouldn't be considering as a, as a start? Um, no, I'm not really. I mean, it's just like I think we've talked about a lot of players in that in that range. I think Sterling Shepard was one that I would have brought up. Like John Brown, where do you have him? I have him actually right below Quincy Anunua at uh, 43 and 44. So I think those guys were, were, were the ones I... I've got them at 40 and 43, yeah. And John Brown, like that's the territory right there. Like like Chris Godwin, for example. Chris Godwin, 42, yeah. Jeff, wh- how do you feel about Chris Godwin going forward? Like obviously he was number two on the team in snaps. Deshaun Jackson obviously had a crazy week, but he only played 20 snaps, got concussed. How do you feel about Godwin going forward? I've liked him even since the pre-draft process. I want to see them get him more involved. Obviously, the the red zone work with this kid is is impressive. The end zone target, the end zone touchdown that he had. His body control is spectacular, isn't it? Exactly. And he's he's a strong kid as well. It's going to be tricky because there's really they do have four legit receivers that not for fantasy purposes but for NFL purposes can play football. I mean, Adam Humphreys is pretty good. I mean, for a football player, and as long as Jackson is healthy, that's going to be a bit of a conundrum. So I, I think you roster Godwin here and sort of hope for the best. Uh, but I tell you what, this is an offense that looked very good in the preseason and that obviously continued in week one. Sometimes the preseason doesn't tell us much, but it might have been telling us that the Bucks maybe they're going to put up some big points for fantasy this year. I think you're right. I can't wait till Jameis Winston comes back. I like planned all my drafts around this. Just pick up Jameis Winston when he gets back and then I've got my quarterback. So before we move on to tight end, I want to ask about the Dallas situation. Alan Hearns had three targets. Cole Beasley led the team. I mean, can we start either of these guys? Michael Gallup, anyone, Jeff? 
they have basically six receivers. So, you know, the the old saying in college football, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Well, they have six receivers. They don't have a receiver. And I don't think you can trust any of these guys as much as I'd love to see Michael Gallup get out there and, and put up some numbers. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, which is going to make things especially difficult. There's a ripple effect on Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to see a lot of loaded boxes. He still got his last week, but I have some concerns just from the standpoint of, you know, we saw this with Fournette last year. He averaged 3.9 yards per carry because he saw loaded boxes constantly. I don't, I wouldn't put that on Fournette as opposed to Todd Gurley, who basically never saw loaded boxes and he had, you know, a huge monster year. So there is a little bit of concern at the ripple effect. And, and it's another one of those instances where I'm just going to avoid the situation altogether, like we talked about with the Tennessee running backs. I think that's good. All right, guys, tight ends, and we've got the big four. And I am including Jordan Reed in the big four as long as he is healthy. And then we've got Kittle, Trey Burton, Doyle, Ingram. I think all eight of those guys are must-starts. After that, though, it gets a little bit questionable. Kyle Rudolph only had one reception. I've got Benjamin Watson in my top ten. Tags, where do you go? Yeah, Ben Watson's the streamer this week. Like, if you're playing the streaming game, he's the one. If you lost Delaney Walker, if you lost Greg Olson, uh, he's the one I would play. Uh, I know that he didn't do much. Over Jared Cook. Yeah, I would play him over Jared Cook. I think we've been down this road with Jared Cook, guys. <laughs> like, seriously. It's a good matchup against with, with Jared Cook, though, for Denver. It's not a bad matchup. It's really not. And I, I actually have him in tight end one territory, but I, I feel like we've been down this road before. I looked it up so I can give the stat uh, in my article is that Cook has posted tight end one numbers just 25 times in his career. He's posted seven or fewer PPR points 67 times. So like, like <laughs> just to think that Jared Cook is all of a sudden going to become a good player later in his career, like, please stop it, guys. I don't know. I mean, the offense, it, it was ugly. They had to use Cook, but I think that was more about the Rams, which is kind of why I like Ricky Seals-Jones this week. If you don't get Ben Watson, I would rather have Jones than Jared Cook as my streamer, unless obviously you can get Njoku or uh, Tyler Eifert, someone like that. Jeff, who do you? where do you have Ricky Seals-Jones? Is he even an option for you or would you rather have Njoku or Howard? I'd rather have those two. Uh, Seals-Jones comes in at 20 right now for me. I was encouraged by his usage. He was basically on the field the entire time. He had seven targets in the game. He didn't put up big numbers, but then again, that was really the entire offense, which, you know, is that a sign of things to come potentially, but we know the kid has upside. The usage is there. So that's all good with him. I think a name maybe we're overlooking in the top 10, though, is Jack Doyle. Everybody's on Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron ran 39% of routes for the Colts. Jack Doyle ran 93% of routes for the Colts. It's still Doyle for me. He he had a volume game as well. You know, he didn't have the touchdown, but that's fine. I, I do like Jack Doyle, and you probably got him really cheap in drafts. And if you have him, I don't mind Ebron. I have him at 14. but I, I reached for him. I was not taking a chance. I reached for Jack Doyle, and I've got him tied in six this week. Yeah, and, and that's that's definitely, I mean, that's certainly ambitious. I don't have him as high, but I, I mean, I have him as a top 10 play. It's just the question is how much do they use Ebron going forward? Because obviously it worked in week one. Do they try and get him more involved? And is it, you know, really heavy too tight end set? But I, I love me some Jack Doyle. Tags, what do you do with Kyle Rudolph and Jimmy Graham? They weren't very involved. Jimmy Graham's matchup wasn't very good against the Bears, and I kind of talked about that. Minnesota's not like a great matchup either. Um, Kyle Rudolph, the one target, I mean, that's not great. <laughs> 
the game script was a little bit uh, not in his favor. But honestly, once we've taken away Norv Turner from Kyle Rudolph, he's been a very touchdown dependent guy. Like he's not getting a whole bunch of targets in that offense. And obviously it's a new offense they installed this offseason. So I'm absolutely worried about Kyle Rudolph because Stefan Diggs needs more targets. Adam Thielen's doing fine with his targets. Dalvin Cook's going to get his. So yeah, he was the one that I, I started moving down draft boards. Him and Evan Ingram, those are my two concerns because Ingram – there's just so many weapons on that on that Giants football team. And when Ingram basically doesn't get seven or more targets, he's been like non-existent. Dallas was good against tight ends last year, too. Yeah, for sure. And th- that's part of it, too. But uh, no, Doyle, Burton, I would play those guys over them. And I think George Kittle, I have George Kittle as my number four tight end play this week. I'm playing him everywhere. I think he's a DFS stud. Um, there's really no reason not to like him this week. I have number five. Yeah, I love George Kittle. A- any other tight ends you guys would consider? Eifert, maybe uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Eric Ebron. I know a lot of people are going to get on the Ebron bandwagon. I'm off, though. I mean, you have to address the the elephant in the room. Jonu Smith, Ian Thomas, Will Disley. I-, I-, I can't use any of those guys this week. I think they were all worthy of being picked up, but you have different things with di- each of these guys. Jonu Smith's He's been around the block a little bit here, but he's still a young player who's never really had the opportunity to be a full-time guy. So he's not going to give you Delaney Walker production right out the gate. Will Disley was a blocking tight end. I don't know. This could be a Kevin Ogletree situation where, boom, explosive week one, and then we never hear from Will Disley again. Yeah, he's an offensive lineman. I Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about that one. Ian Thomas, though, is super interesting. I do not want to play him this week. But he showed such athleticism in the preseason. I, I was maybe, I, I missed that in my evaluation on him. He's more athletic than I thought he was going to be. Of course, he's very young and still, he's in his second game of his NFL career. But it would not surprise me if at some point in the next few weeks, we see uh, some highlights from Ian Thomas because he's the type of player who can put up some highlights. All right, Tags, let's close this out with DST. Give me one streamer that you trust this week. Uh, I'm looking at the Titans. I mean, I, I, it's, it just, I don't know. I mean, I, I do feel like DeAndre Hopkins is going to be fine. Deshaun Watson's offensive line was terrible to begin with. So even if they do allow some points that they're going to sack the quarterback because, uh, they lost their starting right tackle this, uh, in week one as well. So the Titans, I guess they're one that I would consider. I think the, the bears, if they went on the waiver wire, because I know a lot of people didn't realize that they played the Packers in week one and you don't play a defense against Aaron Rodgers. So um, the Bears were dropped in a lot of leagues. I would play them against Seattle. Yeah, I like that call. I don't know if I'd, I, yeah, I've got them 11. I, I don't really think Russell Wilson's going to turn the ball over, but I would play the Bears anyway. If I had to pick a streamer, it's the New England Patriots against Blake Bortles. We just talked about how he has no weapons, and it's Blake Bortles who's guaranteed to turn the ball over, right? So uh, I've got the Patriots at eight. It's not a good week to stream defense special teams. I've got the Titans at seven. Um, so those are my two options. Hey, the Patriots are owned in 85% of leagues, so I don't know if they're going to be a streamer. <laughs> no. but the Bears are owned in 50% of leagues. The, the Seahawks gave out gave up six sacks last week. How many sacks does Khalil Mack have this week by himself against that offensive line? I love the Bears. I've said it before. They're this year's fantasy defense version of the Jags last year. I'm not saying they're the Jags defense, so don't at me on Twitter. <laughs> what I'm saying is they are a defense that was drafted in basically the last round of fantasy drafts or undrafted who are going to be the biggest breakout for fantasy. They're going to be a defense you can rely on most every single week. It started in week one. Yes, they lost the game, but they put up fantasy points, and it continues against Seattle this week. 
Love it. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Jeff, thank you for taking the time to come on. Lots of fun as always. Yes, sir. Always glad to do it. Even if you disagree with me about a JHI. <laughs> a little bit. It wasn't really even a big thing. Yeah. It's a healthy disagreement. <laughs> all right, and thanks to the sponsors of today's show, NFL Game Pass. You can get a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass by going to NFL.com slash Fantasy Pros. And make sure to sign up for the Todd Gurley Throwback Rams jersey giveaway at FantasyPros.com slash contest. Thank you to Pristine Auction for putting that on, and make sure to check out what they have for you. For Mike Teglier, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.